Good morning. Hey, uh, it's so, so good to see each of you here today. Um, I, I mentioned earlier a special welcome to those of you who are newer or visiting, maybe for the first time today. Uh, we, we're uh, so glad you're here. I, I neglected to introduce myself uh, uh, last time I was up here. My name is Andy. I'm privileged to be the senior pastor uh, here at Troy United Methodist Church, and we're just really glad you're here today. We're, we're launching a brand new uh, message series today that is my hope and prayer that it will encourage us and, and inspire us to live uh, faithful lives of following Jesus despite living in a, in a world and a culture that, well, let's just suffice it to say, it, it doesn't make it easy at times. Uh, we'll be diving into the Old Testament book of Daniel, uh, learn from a guy who lived like 26, 2700 years ago, um, and yet uh, risked his life uh, time and time again, uh, risked his well-being and his life um, in order to be faithful to following God. Um, and now, uh, the book of Daniel, it's in the Old Testament. Um, uh, some of us rarely go there in our Bibles. Um, and so I would just encourage you, um, especially if you've never read it before, read the first six chapters in, in the book of Daniel over the next couple of weeks. We'll be, uh, each week we'll be tackling a couple different chapters. And so uh, you can kind of get a head start and just kind of get a sense of where it is that we might be going. But but I'd love to begin by just sharing a little bit of, of Daniel's background story, just to share a little bit of his world uh, that he was a part of. Uh, Daniel was born in Jerusalem in the final part of the 7th century B.C. Um, and, and like all stories from the Bible, uh, really, uh, Daniel's life took place in this part of the world. Um, it's uh, the, the uh, ancient Near East. Do, do we have those? Uh, the... The images, maybe not. Uh, okay, well, I thought there were some maps, but uh, it took part in the ancient Near East, around the, the Mediterranean Sea, uh, the, the birthplace of civilization, um, and, and Daniel was from Jerusalem. He was Jewish, and he, he followed God faithfully in his homeland. Uh, but when Daniel was a young man, uh, probably upper teens, um, he, it, tragedy struck. Uh, that would change his life and the life of his people forever. Uh, and in uh, 605 BC, uh, the Babylonian Empire besieged Jerusalem and captured, took captive the, like the upper crust of the, the culture and the, the Jewish people, the, the civic leaders, the religious leaders, the, uh, the, the, the educated folk, and, and took them all, captured them all, and deported them all to Babylon, uh, a journey of over 700 miles, which they walked on foot. Uh, but it wasn't the journey that was the worst part of it. Uh, Daniel and his countrymen now found themselves in a strange land, in a place that didn't value the same things they valued, in a, in a place that, that didn't have the same beliefs that they had, in, in a nation where where they were the outsiders. Uh, they were now in a culture that did not support their desire to faithfully follow God, uh, but in fact made it quite difficult to do so. Uh, there were two particular ways that living in Babylon made things challenging for Daniel and his friends. The first was food. Now, uh, we know each other well enough to know, you know that, that I, I love food. Uh, I don't know if you've ever traveled to a foreign country where you have, uh, you know, uh, been any length of time and had issues with the food. Uh, I, I certainly have. 
Uh, generally speaking, I love to be adventurous. I love to try new foods and, and new things. Um, uh, for instance, I had no problem um, eating food in the West African nation of Liberia for a couple weeks uh, when I was there several years ago. It was like rice and, and chicken mostly uh, with some interesting spices. Uh, I had no problem with that. I, uh, I had no problem experimenting in South Korea uh, a couple years ago when I was there, um, uh, in fact, I, I, I began, just love bagogi. Um, in fact, uh, I heard there's a great place in Edwardsville uh, that I need to uh, head to, to to eat some of that here soon. But uh, several years ago when Amy, Joe, and I were in China, 2010, when we adopted our daughter, Anna, uh, t- to me, one of the hardest parts was getting used to eating Chinese food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, that was, it was a little bit challenging. Noodles became my best friend and worst enemy all at the same time. Uh, but uh, 17 straight days of that. But it, it's, that's not the same kind of issue that this was for Daniel and his friends. And, and it wasn't about taste. It wasn't about just getting used to new and different foods. No, you see, being a Jewish person meant following a strict dietary code. There were certain foods and drinks that, that were uh, strictly off limits, and eating them would be sinning against God, would be going against God's ways, turning your back on God's covenant with his people. Now, living in Jerusalem, it was relatively easy to follow these dietary codes because it was their culture, it was their people. They, they, they all kind of did the same thing, but not in a foreign land where uh, not only were the, was the culture not uh, aware of, but they just weren't even supportive of their faith in God. So first it was the food, but even more challenging than that, more importantly, Daniel and his friends were challenged by the Babylonians' worship of other gods. The Babylonians worshipped many gods. Uh, Bel, uh, Marduk, Nabu, uh, and many others. And their worship of these gods was a sharp contrast uh, to uh, Daniel's worship of the God of the Bible. In fact, it directly challenged the, the first two of the Ten Commandments, the foundation of God's covenant with his people, uh, which said, you shall have no other gods before me, um, and you shall never make for yourself a physical um, uh, idol to worship. Uh, The religious culture in Babylon made it very difficult for Daniel and his compatriots to follow God faithfully. In fact, we learn in the very first chapter of the book of Daniel that that he and his three friends, uh, whose names were not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their names were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Uh, These were their given names, their Hebrew names, just like Daniel's given Hebrew name was Daniel. And yet we learn in verse 7 that even the Babylonians changed their names. They took their names away and gave them new names. For uh, Daniel, his new name was Belshazzar. For Hananiah, it was Shadrach. For Mishael, Meshach. And for Azariah, Abednego. These names, friends, these weren't just random names. These these were names given after the Babylonian gods. For instance, Daniel uh, means, in Hebrew, it means God is my judge, but God, Yahweh, is my judge. But in his new Babylonian name, uh, Belchazar, literally means Bel, protect his life. Bel was one of the Babylonian gods. That was part of Babylon's plan, 
to, to completely strip away the Jews' identity as God's people and rewire their entire worldview, undermine their old worldview and give them a new one through education, through uh, uh, diet, through their activities, through their worship, through their names, their very names, everything. But as we'll see, Daniel and his three friends, they continue to follow God's, God at all costs. And, and we can learn a lot from their convictions. So this morning, I, I want to walk through uh, uh, spe- the specific challenge that Daniel faced in chapter 1. And a similar challenge that his friends faced in uh, chapter 3 of the book of Daniel, which you already got a taste of uh, through the drama earlier. And, and it's really cool. Uh, these these uh, challenges follow a, the same pattern uh, for Daniel and his friends. Um, and it's a four-part pattern, uh, which you have outlined in your message notes. So definitely follow along with those. Because as you'll see, I think it's the same pattern that you and I face uh, when we try to follow God in our everyday lives. Uh, the first thing that happens to Daniel and his friends, and in our lives too, is that they faced a conflict. They faced a conflict between their culture's values and their, their core values, the, the core values as, as followers of God. And here's how that goes down for them. Uh, Daniel chapter 1, after Daniel and his friends were, were brought to Babylon, This is what we read. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, a chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. And get this, verse 5. The king assigned to them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. There it is. There, there's, there's that first conflict. Daniel was faced with having to eat food from the king's table, most likely food that had been sacrificed to idols, food that, that to eat would mean defiling himself and abandoning the God he loved so much. Now in chapter 3, Daniel's three friends face a similar conflict. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, had built a huge 90-foot tall golden statue of the image of the god Nabu, uh, probably representing himself, King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, And this is what follows. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. There was again another conflict being forced to worship someone or something other than God himself. And what's funny uh, about this to me is that even though you and I, we don't live in Babylon, I mean, maybe some of you have a summer home in Babylon, I don't know, uh, but we don't, we, I don't. Uh, but even though we don't live in, in Babylon, uh, we face these conflicts 
all the time. Whether you believe it or not, our culture challenges the core values of being a wholehearted follower of Jesus. For instance, um, God wants us to live pure lives. Uh, but, but the amount of vulgarity in our culture today is this off the charts. It's outrageous. And, and whatever screen we're looking at these days, it promotes an, an oversexed, violent society. It's extremely difficult for anyone, uh, particularly uh, single people in our culture, um, to remain sexually pure in our world today. It is extremely difficult because of the, of, because the sexual values of following God are so radically different than the, the sexual norm in our world today. Uh, God uh, also wants us uh, to, those of us who are parents, and I know many of you are parents, I saw your kids here just a few minutes ago. Uh, uh, God, uh, God wants us to prioritize raising our kids to know and to love and to follow God. But, but so many of us, and so many of us, we're, we're, we are so overworked, we find it hard to spend the time necessary to intentionally invest in raising our families to know and follow God. Uh, what, it, that is even more pronounced uh, living up to our uh, cultural expectations, which requires both parents to work a lot of times. Uh, or, or our kids to be in every sport and every extracurricular activity that they are cut out for, uh, which makes it even harder to dedicate time to, to being together as a family, to and intentionally raising our kids to know and to love and to follow God. Uh, God, God also wants us to be content as his people, to, to live uh, within our means. Uh, but, but, you know, scrolling through Facebook... We just see all of our friends living it up, having great times, experiencing fantastic vacations, and we think, man, we are missing out if we're not doing that too. And so what do we do? Consequently, it's, it's hard to remain content with our own life. And so we overextend ourselves financially to, to meet the, the cultural expectation of what we think we need to be about. You know, God, God also wants us to make uh, our relationship with him a priority in our lives. Uh, not, not to put other things in, into that place, that, that time place, that heart place in our lives. But, but with so many opportunities in our world uh, to escape, I, whether, whether that's uh, our phones, man, I got mine in my back pocket, you know, <laughs> uh, or, or TV, or or movies, or video games, or, or sports. Idols, friends, idols are prevalent in our world today, even if they're not made of gold. I mean, just walk down the street, a busy street, how many people are looking at, at their phone? I mean, if that's not worship, dedication of your heart and your time and your energy, I don't know what is. And with so many demands on our time, it makes it difficult to find time to to nurture our relationship with God, uh, to, to set aside time to serve God and, and serve others, uh, let alone be intentional about spending time and, and, and kind of nurturing uh, our hearts and our family life, following Jesus. So whether you believe it or not, uh, faithfully following God 
um, means that we face this kind of conflict every single day. And, and if you don't feel it, then I, let me just say this in his, I, I do not mean for this to be judgmental because, I, because uh, uh, that's really just not my heart in this. Just, oh, I hope you trust me on that. But if you don't feel it, if you don't feel that conflict every day, then, then chances are, I mean, my, 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 my heart tells me that you've probably already bought into some of what our world and our culture is selling, and, and you're just not aware of it. Yeah, our culture makes it very difficult to follow God wholeheartedly. You might not see it that way. Maybe, maybe in your heart, maybe in your mind, you're thinking, well, hey, we can believe, we can believe in God and still do whatever we want to do, Right? If we're living it out, if we are really wholeheartedly following Jesus, then we are going to face these conflicts multiple times every single day in our lives. And whenever we face a conflict between uh, the, the pull of, of the world and, and society's values and the, the culture around us and, and our God-honoring core values, uh, then we, uh, we're going to be faced with the temptation to compromise. Now, uh, this, this internal battle, this internal temptation was not something that we directly see Daniel and his friends uh, dealing with in, in the scriptures. Uh, but I love, I love the line in, in the drama. Uh, they were human, all right? They were human. So they, they had to have this internal conflict. And the drama really captured that well. I mean, Daniel, think about it. I mean, Daniel could have easily justified in his mind eating the food from the king's table and drinking the wine. He easily could have justified that. I mean, come on. He was selected. He was, select, he was pulled out of the many to serve uh, the, the king and to be present there. Uh, what a great opportunity. God must have led him there, right? So, so, so it should be okay, right? He easily could have justified. And if he didn't, if he didn't eat the food, boy, he could die. God wouldn't want that. Oh, and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they, they, they could bow down to the statue and not really worship, right? I mean, they could do that. They could just kind of fake it. Uh, I mean, it's, worship is about your heart, right? So bowing down, I can do that with my body, but my heart, I'm not worshiping. So, so that'd be okay, wouldn't it? Um, uh, uh, God wouldn't want us to lose our lives, would he? You know, f- for us, Compromising our God-honoring values likely wouldn't mean losing our lives. At least I, I hope not. Uh, some of you, it, it may. Um, uh, some listening online later, that, uh, you could be in a position where it, your life is at risk. Um, and yet, even though for the majority of us, our lives are really not at risk, we, we still compromise. We give in for far lesser things than saving our lives. And we give in for, for our reputation, for, um, for temporary pleasure. And we, we give in for, for money or for approval or, or, or so that we're not rejected, so that uh, people don't unfriend us, you know, so, so that we look good to others. Now, somehow we think that if we compromise, our life will be better. But it's a lie. You know, fo- following God is always 
better. But you might be here with the question today, well, why? How is that better? Or or why would I want to follow God? Why why bother? It just sounds like a a bunch of things that I'm not supposed to do. Uh, I'll do what I want to do, thank you. Uh, Why bother following God's ways? Uh, That that really is a good question. And and one that I I don't want to skip over. You see, God doesn't just say, hey, people, follow me, because I'm God. God God doesn't work that way. Uh, God God starts by loving us, by by pouring out his love and his favor for us. Uh, God reaches out to us and embraces us, even when we've run far away, just like in the song that we we sang earlier. You know, God, God will climb any mountain. God is, is for us. And Daniel and his friends knew that about God. They knew that about God because of, of their, their ancestors, their people's past, their history. Uh, they knew that God had delivered their ancestors from slavery in Egypt. That was, that was the foundation of their core values of following God. That's who God was. God is able. God saved them. And Daniel and his friends knew that God saved them when they were without hope. Uh, and not all, uh, it was only after that, that that God gave them a covenant and said, okay, this is what it means to follow me. I'm the God who loves you, so f- follow me. It's the best life possible. God doesn't start with demands on us. God starts by saving us, by loving us. The way that God has done that for us is through Jesus' atoning death on the cross. Jesus paid a debt that that you and I couldn't pay. Uh, God loves us. God has poured out his grace on us. God has given us uh, an opportunity for new life, the the best life possible. He, He offers that to each and every one of us, even though, gosh, we don't deserve it. I mean, you know, when we're entrusted with the good stuff, we fritter it away. We don't deserve that. God, God loves us and gives it to us despite that. He loves us that much. And, and only after proving it on the cross and, and giving us the gift of his spirit to be present with us throughout this life, only after that does he say, follow me. You know, God offers us a love that does not shift. So why would we want to? Why, why, why would we even want to waver? Uh, by compromising, what could we possibly gain uh, anything that is worth more than what God could give us when we trust him and follow him? Daniel knew this. He, he knew it in his heart of hearts, and, and so did, it, do, did his friends. So they refused to shift. That's the third part of their story and, and ours too. They refused to shift. Let's look at Daniel first. Verse 8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He wouldn't do it. Uh, we read just a little bit later that Daniel uh, consulted his superior, and his superior tells him that, hey, dude, if you don't eat this, you're going to be weaker than the other people, and you're going to lose your life. You're going to die. Uh, and Daniel kind of convinces him, all right, hey, let's put this to the test. Why don't you just give me vegetables and water for 10 days and we'll see where we're at. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they faced a little more danger when they refused to shift. Uh, check out what happens to them when King Nebuchadnezzar witnesses them not bowing down to the statue and threatens to burn them alive. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If the God, if the God we serve is able to deliver us, then he will deliver us from the blazing furnace and from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. And just like the drama communicated, scriptures say that uh, the king uh, got pretty ticked off. He wasn't used to people standing up to him. Uh, and, and so he jacked up the temperature of that fire seven times over. And it was so hot that when those soldiers came to get Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah to throw them into the fire, the soldiers that tossed them in burned up instantly. They, they died. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I do not know if I would have the courage that Daniel and his friends had. I'd like to think that I would. Uh, I don't know if you ever do those mind things. Would, would, I, would, would I be able to have that courage? Um, I'd like to think I would, and yet reality is there are times, sometimes I, I fall short on far lesser things. We all do. Oh, so what about you? When, when, when you experience the conflict um, between God-honoring values and, and the pressures of the world around us, uh, are you tempted to compromise? Where are you tempted to compromise? Uh, and will, will you have the courage to refuse to shift? Will, will you be content? Will you fight for purity? Will you make the hard decisions to put boundaries in your life to protect your eyes and, and your ears and your heart? The, the time for your family. Will, will, will you make those difficult decisions to raise your family to know God, to serve God? Will, will, will you stand up for people on the margins that nobody else is standing up for? Will, will you learn to love? Will you learn to say no when the world says shift. If you do, you'll get to the fourth part of the pattern. You, you will experience God's blessing. When we refuse to shift, we experience blessing. In Daniel's story, after eating the vegetables and drinking water for 10 days, um, he was stronger than those who were eating from the king's table. And God gave him uh, uh, furthermore, deep knowledge and understanding of all the things that he was learning. Uh, Daniel was even given the gift of being able to interpret dreams, uh, something that we'll see in the scripture story for next week. Uh, but, but more than that, Daniel earned the king's favor. God, God blessed Daniel with great influence because he refused to shift. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah had an even more miraculous blessing. Remember, they were, were tossed into the fire, and, and the soldiers were burned up. They were consumed. Uh, let me just read what happens next. This is the rest of the story. Chapter 3, verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. 
Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that amazing? God is so ready and willing to pour out his blessing when we stand firm and refuse to shift away from following him. But I don't want to mislead you. Um, Oftentimes, standing firm is going to hurt and you won't be able to see the blessing right away. Uh, that's, that's, that's part of this. In fact, uh, you, you might not know what God was up to or, or what his blessing ultimately is until you can ask him face to face. But God will not withhold his blessing from those who love him and honor him how might you be blessed by refusing to shift, by standing firm, by not, by not compromising? You know, when, when you and I refuse to compromise, when we stand firm, when we follow God wholeheartedly, as a people of God, uh, one of the ways we're blessed is uh, we stand out. Uh, we stand out um, sometimes in ways that really confuse people, but I think the more they see us, the more they, they know uh, what's, what's our lives and what's going on, the more they see health, the, the more they see love, the more they see a balanced and joy-filled and content and uh, a person who's, who gives sacrificially and, and is pure and humble. They, they see that. And, and we stand out as a, as a people who, who live with hope. Who, who have a peace that surpasses all kinds of understanding despite whatever might be going on in our lives. And, and the world around us, uh, I believe, not everybody, but, but a lot of people will see that and they will crave it. But if we shift, then really we don't have anything to offer. We're believing in God, but living our lives as if God doesn't exist. And that doesn't stand out. There is nothing attractive about that. So Troy United Methodist Church, let's be a people who honor God, not just with our lips, but with our actions when it really counts. Like Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah did. And then, I tell you what happens. One of the things that happens then, then when we invite somebody to church, we say, hey, come, come to church with me. Uh, 
or, or we say, hey, I've got this, this uh, journey group that I'd love for you to, to come and be a part of. It, it meets in my friend's house. Uh, when, when we make those invitations, then it won't be awkward because people will already see our lives for what they are and they'll want it. Let's be that kind of people. You know, one major arena where we can experience conflict and the temptation to compromise is before many of us starting this week, back to school week, right? Uh, It's coming up, whether you're a teacher or an administrator or uh, a student of any age, uh, your school is a place where you will simultaneously experience uh, the temptation to shift uh, shift your core values uh, to fit in or, or to uh, not make waves. Um, it's also a place where you can stand out as a light of Christ in a way that makes others want what you have. Uh, so, so as a church, I would just love today uh, for us to pray for uh, all of you who are teachers and administrators and students uh, uh, you could be a homeschool teacher. Uh, you, you have a co-op too. Uh, uh, or if, you know, uh, in fact, I, I'd love to, to invite those of you who are that, uh, a student administrator, teacher, at any age, if you just kind of come forward. Uh, there are going to be m- multiple of you, so you won't have to stand out. I see several of you. If you just want to come forward, just, just kind of line up around here. The rest of us, we're going to stand up and we're going to uh, pray over you and encourage me, come on down. Uh, this isn't, you know, I'm not going to baptize you today. Uh, uh, yes, there are many of you. Come on down. We want to pray for you uh, and, and have in our hearts and minds all the kids. Okay, everybody else stand as they're coming down. Everybody else stand. Let's, uh, let's if you can, uh, you, you all just kind of, uh, t- you can kind of touch each other, maybe uh, hold hands, or if everybody else can just kind of uh, extend your hand toward these folks. Let's, let's pray over uh, oh, everybody's looking at you, uh, <laughs> except our eyes are closed. So let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, you have given so much to prove your love for us. Lord, you have, you have saved us. Just, just like Nebuchadnezzar so, saw so long ago, you are a God who saves. You have saved us. You have called us your own when you said, come follow me. And Lord, we just pray once again that you would pour out your Holy Spirit uh, on the students and the teachers and the administrators uh, before us. Would you give them the resolve to follow you even when they face temptations to compromise? Whether that be in something that they're told to believe or an opportunity to put someone else down to fit in or or possibly even to, to hold back from sharing the hope that they have in you. God, God, help them stand firm. Help them refuse to shift so that they will not only experience your blessing, but that they may, may ultimately pour that blessing out on others as a light of Christ in their schools. And Father, would, would, for all of us, would you just please forgive us for the times where we have compromised? Uh, we are so loved by you. We are so grateful for your mercy that you pour out on us and the opportunity to be your light again, even after we've fallen short. Uh, God, would you give us the courage next time to say yes? Say yes to you and no to the the pressures that maybe some of us are facing right now 
Uh, others of us will face tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. God, would you, would you give us the resolve to not shift? And for those of us who are suffering right now because we have refused to shift, Lord, help us stand firm and see your blessing. Help us, help us trust in you as the God who saves. Help the world see you through our choice to live faithfully. In all of this, we, we pray in the name of Jesus, who despite the conflict that he faced and the temptation to compromise, that he refused to shift and through his suffering didn't, didn't directly experience the blessing himself, but poured out that blessing that he deserved on us. It's in his name that we pray. And all of God's people agreed and said, amen. 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 Let's Let's, uh, you guys can sit down now. Everybody's looking at you now. Uh, uh, but let's, let's continue to, to worship God in this um, final song. Do it again.